Hi, my name is Katie, registered dietitian nutritionist obsessed with all things food, family, and wellness. There is seemingly ever-changing nutrition information, from fad diets to quick fixes. I'm here to sort all of that out with you. Each week, we will be diving into popular topics like fertility, weight loss, even food freedom. You can find it all here. I have made it my work's mission to educate and empower others towards food freedom, and I'm grateful to get to be doing that with you here each week. This is Simply Functional Nutrition with Katie. All right. Hello, guys. We are here and we are talking nutrition for pregnancy. But you might be listening to this and you're like, I'm not pregnant. I don't plan to be pregnant anytime soon. Or maybe you're kind of in a situation where you're like, well, I'm not pregnant yet, but I'd love to be in the next few months. Or maybe you're even on the postpartum side of that. Well, what I want to say is this is a topic that is something that is so near and dear to my heart because not only have I personally lived it twice now, I am constantly talking to clients, to friends, to family, to people messaging me over social media, talking about nutrition in this time of their lives. Whether it's preconception, whether you've just conceived and you're newly pregnant, maybe you're late-term pregnancy and you're about to deliver, or maybe you're even on the postpartum breastfeeding, recovery, that side of it. Well, wherever you may land, this podcast is for you because this is something that you can take home and you can apply directly starting today. And really the whole idea of this is to optimize nutrition so that you feel your best and that you're nourishing your baby in the best that you possibly can. I have decided to kind of outline this first part one. I'm calling it part one of this podcast because there's so much information. It can be almost overwhelming. And so I think it's going to deserve a couple different episodes. I've decided to compile kind of a list of some of the more popular questions that I get on a, on a regular basis. So this list of questions is really kind of some high level things that I think leaving today, you can go ahead and jump in and apply. So let's just go for it. Let's dive in. Number one, what are some ways that you can try to boost your nutrition prior to conceiving? You might be starting to talk with your partner about conceiving. Maybe you're single and you're like, whoa, Katie, this is not even on my radar right now. That's okay. You can still be working to optimize your nutrient stores now. And let me tell you, by taking a special intentional look at your nutrition and what your body is doing as a woman, prior to even getting to the point where you're ready to conceive, you will already be leagues ahead. And that whole process of waiting or maybe now I'm ready, so now I need to figure this thing out, you'll have already done that. So what are the ways that you can try to boost your nutrition? Well, let me, let me first start by saying it takes, as a female, three to four months for the egg to mature prior to ovulation. So what does that mean? That means that the nutrition or the nutrient status that you're in right now is going to affect the egg at ovulation three to four months from now. So when you're ovulating this month, that is almost like a stamp or a print of what your nutrition has looked like over the past three to four months as a woman. For men, it takes about 70 to 90 days for the sperm to mature. So what that tells us is you can take the time now to prepare for conception months down the road 
So this is great news. This means that you and your partner can really take the time prior to conception to really focus on your nutrition, but also outside of your nutrition, some other things that we'll get into. You can really take the time months before you're ever even ready to start trying to really kind of square up and shore up and get that nutrition in a really good place. And that's going to impact the outcome of the egg quality for you when you ovulate in three to four months and the sperm quality when you're when you and your partner try to conceive three months down the road. So what are some things that you can do, practically speaking, to optimize or boost that nutrition? You and your partner can be on prenatals. Of course, like women, you'll take the prenatal vitamin. Your your partner, your husband, the male will not be taking a prenatal, but he can take a multivitamin. So grab yourself a good multivitamin or a good prenatal if you're a woman. Another thing you can do is getting adequate exercise. The idea of exercise impacts your health in a number of ways. First off, we know that exercise can really help to have a positive impact on blood sugar control. And if you want to dive in and know more about blood sugar balance, check out my first episode and I really dive in on the how and the why of that. But not only does adequate exercise help you with blood sugar control, it also helps manage weight. And we know that having a healthy weight prior to conception and during pregnancy often predicts better outcomes for mom and baby. It lowers your risk for complications within pregnancy. Next thing you can do is sleep. Sleep, 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 y'all. It has such an impact on stress levels, on hormone health, on blood sugar balance. And it seems so simple and rudimentary. But really, do that gut check. Are you sleeping seven to nine hours a day? And if you're not, what can you do to help improve that quality of sleep? Another thing you can do is decrease your alcohol consumption and the cessation of tobacco. No smoking which I think we all know, okay, we shouldn't be smoking. But if you are actively trying to get pregnant, there is really no beneficial purpose for you or baby that is going to serve you when it comes to drinking alcohol. Related to consuming alcohol during pregnancy is something called fetal alcohol syndrome disorders. And these are a wide variety of disorders caused by consumption of alcohol during pregnancy. And really one of the common threads of these FASDs is intellectual and behavioral impairment. So like I said, there's just really no service to you when it comes to drinking alcohol while pregnant. I know for me, even personally, both times in my pregnancies, the just idea of alcohol was really kind of a turn off anyways. But for mama and baby, best thing to do is just to avoid and focus on food first. So that being said, let's really shift gears and talk about nutrition and food. It's have a food first mentality. I mentioned a second ago, it's a great thing to get on a prenatal or a multivitamin, but think of vitamins as an insurance policy. I think it's so tempting in the world that we live in to say, well, you know, I'm taking my multivitamin, so I'm good. I'm covered. And this idea that pills and vitamins can really fix any sort of nutrient or lifestyle deficiencies. But vitamins are never going to replace the benefit of food-first micronutrients. When we have vitamins and minerals through our food, they're so much more bioavailable, which means our bodies can digest, absorb, and utilize natural vitamins and minerals coming from the food form so much more efficiently than they can from vitamins. And yes, you can get micronutrients from vitamins, but the more readily bioavailable forms come through your food. 
So eat a wide variety of foods, eat color, eat the rainbow, eat fruits and vegetables at every meal. Really kind of the basics of making sure that we're getting adequate fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, protein, really have that food first mentality of trying to get a variety of foods in your diet. That that is a great segue into another common question I get around prenatal vitamins. Are they necessary? If they are necessary, what brand do you recommend or what should I look for in a prenatal vitamin? Instead of recommending a specific brand of vitamin, what I like to do more importantly is highlight specific vitamins to make sure that your prenatal contains. And let me also preface by saying if your prenatal is a one vitamin a day prenatal, it's probably leaving out a number of nutrients, micronutrients really, that are more expensive or bulkier. Because if you think about it, vitamins and minerals, they are matter. You know, they do actually take up space. So it's hard to fit everything you need into one single vitamin. So that is something that I would say, okay, if you're taking a prenatal that is just one vitamin, it's probably not all encompassing of the micronutrients that you need or you might want in a prenatal. So keep that in mind. But important vitamins that I do want to highlight are first off, vitamin D. A vast, vast majority of Americans are deficient in vitamin D. And that's our sun vitamin. And it actually, it's kind of funny, vitamin D, yes, it's a vitamin, but it almost acts more like a hormone in our bodies. And because of the lifestyle changes over the last few decades, people are naturally working more indoors. We're spending less time outdoors, less time exposed to direct sunlight. Or maybe you are still exposed to sunlight, but sunscreen, the use of mineral sunscreen has gone way high, which is not a bad thing, right? We're all trying to prevent things like skin cancer or age spots and things like that. But because of these reasons, we are naturally synthesizing less vitamin D. So what are some ways that you can get in more vitamin D? The best form of vitamin D is through sunlight. We metabolize vitamin D when we sit out in the sun. So that really can just simply look like 15 minutes of day standing in direct sunlight without sunscreen. But when it comes to your vitamins, I actually personally take a separate vitamin D supplement apart from my prenatal. And no, I'm not pregnant right now, but even postpartum, I'm 10 months postpartum and I'm still taking my prenatal. And I probably will just keep on it because we do want to have more children. But also I'm in that postpartum phase where I'm nursing a child and still trying to replete the nutrients that were used up in pregnancy. But back to vitamin D, I take a separate one and studies have shown that 4,000 IUs are safe and effective. Now this is a daily intake of 4,000 IUs and that is way above the RDA. Now I want to be sure to really pause right here for a quick second and remind you all that I am not a doctor This podcast is purely for educational and informative purposes, so I love to present the research and present the findings and recommendations, but it does not replace your doctor's advice. Everyone is their own individual case, and vitamin D levels for people are going to vary. So I'm presenting you the research information, particularly as it pertains to the 4,000 IU recommendation. But consult your doctor if you are unsure of how much you should be supplementing or you're considering wanting to increase your supplementation. 
reminder, you know, let's, we can, let's absolutely take our vitamin as an insurance policy, but where can you find vitamin D in your diet? Sun exposure is really the best way to get vitamin D, but it is also found in food. And hello, I'm a dietitian, so of course I have to cover food sources of vitamin D. Vitamin D looks like food sources through fatty fish, fatty fish from cold water, like salmon or cod, as well as cod liver oil. And then, like I said, sunlight is going to be your best source of vitamin D. And something to keep in mind, people with darker skin have a higher risk for a vitamin D deficiency because of the melanin in their skin. So the more melanin you have, which is that skin pigment that gives our skin that darker pigment, the more melanin you have, the harder it is for you to convert that vitamin D. So it might mean you might need a little bit of a higher supplementation or you might need some more time in the sun to really synthesize that vitamin D. Next thing to look for in a prenatal is make sure that you're getting the active forms of your B vitamins. So if you just look back on the back of your vitamin bottle, the active form of a vitamin means this is the form that the vitamin is most readily available and absorbed and able to be utilized by the body. So on the back of your prenatal vitamin, you want it to say active B vitamin complex or the most common example of an active B vitamin would be choosing folate over folic acid. Now we hear folic acid all the time and that's really important for neural tube defects and making sure that you're supplementing with that. Now folic acid is the synthetic form of folate. We know that up to 60% of the population cannot convert folic acid to folate because of a gene variant. That said, you might be supplementing with folic acid, and if you happen to have that gene, your body's having a really hard time converting it to its active form. But if you can supplement with the active form, the folate or 5-methylfolate, as you might see it on the bottle, then you know that you're getting an active form of that vitamin and you're able to better utilize it. You also want to see that it says that it is a comprehensive formula on the bottle. We're looking for the micronutrients that often get missed, such as iodine, K2, magnesium, selenium, choline, B12. Now, this is a long list of vitamins, but the reason that these often get left out is because these are the bulkier vitamins. Now, earlier when I said, if you're taking one vitamin a day, it's probably not comprehensive enough. This is that example of it. With these comprehensive formulas, they tend to include those bulkier nutrients like iodine, K2, magnesium, selenium, choline, B12. <laughs> it goes on and on. But the idea is a comprehensive formula is likely going to put you in that ballpark of up to three vitamins a day. So back to what I was saying about if you're taking a vitamin and it's only causing calling for one vitamin a day, it's probably not a comprehensive formula. My recommendation with these bulkier vitamins, especially let's say you're taking a formula that calls for three vitamins a day, it's okay to split it up into a few different times in the day. So maybe you're, you're taking two with breakfast and one with dinner or one with each meal. However you want to divvy it up. But my recommendation is to take it alongside a meal to really keep from having those side effects of maybe nausea or upset stomach. And also when we take our vitamins with food, they are more easily absorbed and utilized by the body. So take them with a meal. All right, so we've talked pre-pregnancy nutrition and even what to look for as you're preparing and you start taking that prenatal or multivitamin. So I think let's jump into 
something that many women, majority of women experience at some point during their pregnancy, and that is nausea and fatigue. Guys, that nausea is the worst, the worst. I can definitely relate. I experienced it with both my boys. But good news, if you are maybe in the thick of it or you haven't gotten pregnant yet and think maybe one day this might be you, good news is it's approximately 60% of women will subside with the nausea by around 13 weeks. So at the end of the first trimester, maybe you experience it beyond 13 weeks. Well, let me give you an even more hopeful note that only 9% of women experience nausea past 20 weeks. So 91% of you guys will be done with the nausea by 20 weeks. So I'm gonna try to give you a few tips that can maybe help you combat the nausea and fatigue. So the first tip is to eat small frequent meals. Really try to avoid any period or long-term period where your stomach is just sitting empty. When you do go to eat those small frequent meals, really try to pair and make sure you're conscious about keeping pairing carbs, protein, and fat all together when you eat because that can really help promote satiety, especially if you are one of those people that might have a period, a quick window, let's say, where you're willing or it's not totally nauseating at the thought of eating a meal is you want to fit in those carbs, protein, and fat so that you're getting adequate nutrition. Some other common things that help aid in nausea are things like ginger, vitamin B6, and magnesium. So ginger, we could get ginger tea. Maybe you could add ginger to your meals. There are even ginger chews or lollipops, things to suck on, but ginger is a great thing. Also vitamin B6, which we find B6 in things like animal products, like meats, as well as peanuts, oats, banana. So for example, a great snack might be banana and peanut butter or a cup of oatmeal and add in some peanut butter and some chia seeds or pumpkin seeds. The other nutrient that can help with nausea is magnesium. So the example I gave of the oats with peanut butter and some seeds, well, great sources of magnesium are nuts, seeds, grains, and oats as well. You're getting the benefit of actually eating something nutrient dense with the added benefit of some of those vitamins and minerals that will really help aid some of that nauseating feelings. And then just be really mindful about the triggers that are specific to you. So like I said, nausea might be spurred on with one person by one particular type of food and someone else be totally fine. So it really is an individualized effort when it comes to noticing your triggers, avoiding your triggers, and then fitting in some adequate nutrition in those windows throughout the day where you feel up for it. So if you are someone that does struggle with excessive vomiting, something I really suggest if you are one of those people is to think of quick and easy carbohydrates quick and easy meals that take little effort and can really pack the most nutrient-dense punch as possible that your body can digest quickly. So quick and easy carbs, because we know carbohydrates are digested the most easily, even if you're having the hyperemesis and you're constantly getting sick, if you eat some carbohydrate-dense foods, the hope is that you'll get at least a little bit of energy before you get sick again. So high, quick, and easy carbohydrates might be something like smoothies with lots of fresh fruit, cooked sweet potatoes, yogurt is another great one, maybe sweetened with some fresh fruit. Those are some good quick carbs that hopefully you can get down and and hold on to it for a little bit. Another thing I love is bone broth. 
because this is something you can drink hot or cold. You can add it to soups or things that you're cooking with, but you can also just drink it straight out of the mug. And for me personally, that is something that I did quite frequently is I would pour in bone broth into a mug and heat it up and it it was a great way to kind of soothe my stomach a little bit. And I knew that I was getting good collagen, good protein by doing that. Another thing you can do if you're struggling with nausea and potentially getting sick a lot is really when you are going to eat and you have that window where you're able to tolerate food, start with the carbohydrates and then work your way to the protein and the fat. Because as I mentioned, carbohydrates are so quickly digested and absorbed by our body. So if you can only stand to eat for maybe five or 10 minutes, then let's really try to get in those quick carbs for that quick energy before hitting up the protein or the fat. Because the protein and the fat are awesome and very important, and I really hope that you can get all three in, but those take longer for our bodies to break down and digest and absorb. So if you're in a state where you're getting sick pretty frequently, eating those carbohydrates first will at least give you that first spurt of energy and nutrition before you might potentially be getting sick again. Another thing that's helpful is salty and sour foods. I know it sounds kind of funny, the idea of salty foods to combat nausea, but salt helps to keep our blood pressure elevated or at a good, happy place as opposed to having low blood pressure. And when our blood pressure lowers, we tend to feel more fatigued, maybe even a little bit kind of loopy or nauseated. That low blood pressure can even cause feelings of nausea. So if you're eating food with salt, you're replenishing that salt that you might have lost when getting sick, but you're also keeping that blood pressure elevated and keeping it stable to where you're feeling okay and able to combat some of this dreaded nausea and fatigue that comes along with pregnancy and really oftentimes with first trimester. And then kind of funny, some women just find sour foods helpful to keep from that nausea in pregnancy. And I can actually attest that this was totally me. Funny enough, I'm not a beer drinker. I'm not a sour beer drinker. But when I was pregnant, I was always craving sour beer. Now, I didn't act on this craving, but I was constantly craving. And I even told my husband, I'm like, you know me, I don't drink sour beer. What is this? Why am I craving this thing? But pregnancy is a wild thing and it makes you crave wild, wild, weird things at times. But particularly the sour foods for me really helped kind of ease my stomach. And it kind of ironically was something that I craved. All right, so I think I'm gonna wrap up part one to pregnancy nutrition or pre-pregnancy nutrition as well. We covered nutrition preparation prior to conceiving. We talked about multivitamins during pregnancy or preconception and what to look for. And we really got into first trimester trimester as you're dealing with nausea. Pregnancy is such an exciting, beautiful time, but can also be pretty nerve wracking. Stay tuned for our next episode on pregnancy nutrition as we really dive into what does nutrition look like once you've conceived? I think so many times we get that positive pregnancy test and our immediate reaction is, oh no, what foods do I need to avoid now? What do I need to change in my diet now that I'm pregnant? And you might be surprised to learn that I really come from a philosophy of not necessarily what do we need to avoid and what are all the rules that we need to now follow, but what can we add or what can we really fine tune and incorporate into our diet to help optimize nutrition during pregnancy. 
So stay tuned for the next time we talk nutrition and pregnancy. I'll really be diving into what that looks like for you. As usual, it's been so fun. I'm excited to see you all here back again next week. Thank you for listening to Simply Functional Nutrition with Katie. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, I would appreciate a five-star rating and share with your friends. Learn more at simplyspencer.com and be sure to follow me on Instagram at simplyspencer.com.